to get to the text, last week we uh, were talking about, two weeks ago we talked about Christ being the high priest and how Aaron was called of God and the duties that Aaron held and how everything he did pointed to our great high priest, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. And we last week talked about him being a priest after the order of Melchizedek, king of Salem. And we came down, we'll get into that again in chapter 7, talked about the sufferings of Christ and the sufferings that we endure in this world. And we talked about, because he's talking to Jews. This is the Apostle Paul. His name's not on the book, because the Jews would have rejected the Gospel had they known they were receiving it from Paul, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, whom God touched and God quickened and God sent to be a preacher of the Gentiles, to the Gentiles of Christ and crucified. So we made point, as Paul is teaching these Hebrew children, By children, I mean all children of God. The ones that were born of the Spirit. If they were not born of the Spirit of God, they did not have a desire to hear the Gospel. And their brethren, according to the flesh, were trying to lure them back into the law services, the sacrifices, the rituals, the ordinances, and everything contained in the law service. We'll see much of that in the book of Acts. But Paul would tell them plainly, when the time had come that you should be teachers, you have need again that one teach you. All the types and shadows of Christ and the grace of God in Christ that were in the Old Testament, they needed to be taught these things. They needed to be taught about the power of God, the sovereignty of God, and the grace of God, and the terror of God upon the wicked. He said, you have need of milk. And milk is a good thing. Milk gives you vitamins, protein. Milk is very good, but milk is primarily for babies, for babes. And these people among the Jews who had been brought up in the law service and had been given all the oracles of God, whom God had made covenant with, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon, whom God had made covenant with, that were in a position that they should have been able to take the Old Testament and to preach Christ and not stay in the law service which they were kept shut up under, which we were kept shut up under. It was our schoolmaster until the time of grace. Now Paul is telling them, you should be teachers, but you have need that one should teach you again the first oracle of the principles of Christ, the oracles of God. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have 
their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, we used that two ways last week and both fit perfectly. One, by walking in this world, being led by the Spirit of God, seeing the things of the world that are perilous to a child of God and turning away from those things. Tribulation, work its patience, patience, experience, experience its hope, and hope make it not a shame because the love of God and the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in our hearts. That's not verbatim, but it's Romans 5. Now, we also talked about as this epistle, the text of it, the context, is about the gospel of Christ. It's about the truth of God in Jesus Christ. These Jews had reviled Christ. They hated Him without a cause because He made Himself equal with God not realizing, because it was not revealed unto some of them, or most of them, that He is God manifest in the flesh. That He was made flesh, He came to this world to suffer and bleed and die to save every one of God's children from their sins. And we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our very existence is sin. People stack sins up as this one's worse than this one. Your sin's worse than mine. Sin is sin before God. That's why Jesus came teaching that if you have the thought in your heart, you've committed the sin already. Our existence is sin. Our hearts are only evil continually by our nature. That's why God quickens us and gives us life and writes His law upon our heart. Turn us away from these evil thoughts and to turn iniquity away from Jacob. But he made the point, and we mentioned 1 Corinthians 3, there was division among them, there was strife, there was envy because of the desires and thoughts of their flesh. Now we had been talking about the high priest. Everything in this Scripture from in the beginning to come quickly, Lord Jesus... It's all about Christ. It's all about the Lord. He's all we have. He's all we need. He's everything. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the eternal Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Captain of the host of God. He's the glory of God and the express image of His person. He is Christ. It is all about Him. Regardless of what someone in some other doctrine would tell you, it's all about Christ and all the work is done by Christ at the last day when those that are asleep in Jesus, those that are dead, are raised up from the graves. It will be Christ who appears and calls them, their bodies, to heaven to reunite with their spirit and soul. It will be Christ who calls and changes those which live and remain in the world at the time of His second coming. Not into this world, because His work in this world is finished, but we shall meet Him in the air and shall ever be with who? Christ. Amen because of Christ and the eternal purpose of God. Paul is teaching these Jewish brethren, born of the Spirit of God, or they would not be desiring to sit under the sound of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the very One whom they hated because He made Himself equal with God, saying God was His Father. 
Now that's where we've come thus far in this book. Chapter 6 begins, Therefore, okay, because He's our high priest, because He's our Lord, our God, our Savior, our King, because we have this doctrine, because He's building, He's built His church upon the rock of revelation. Revelation is of God. Revelation is from God. Steve and I were talking about this last night. We cannot receive anything unless God gives us to receive it and to understand it and to take it and have joy in that knowledge. We cannot receive anything. We cannot do anything. That's quite contrary to the doctrines taught in the world. But it is the basic Bible truth of Christ and Him crucified. There is no other way to God except in Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is Christ. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. And again in John 6, No man cometh unto Me except the Father which hath sent Me draw him. That's all the work of God. In Christ. We had absolutely nothing to do with it. My good works. That's something the Jews might have said. My good works. My faith. Guess what? God gave you faith in regeneration. Okay? We can't, we can't claim that as our own attribute. We were dead in sin, alien sinners. God gave us life. God wrote His law upon our inward parts. There, And faith is the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, you give that glory to God and your works also although the best we can do living in this world, even after we're born of the Spirit of God, the best that we can do dare not appear before the throne of God. It's received of God, accepted in the work of Christ, for His righteousness is imputed to us, but God is glorified. Therefore, because of all I've told you, because of what we're teaching you, and by the way, We're talking to Jews, again, at the oracles of God, the law and the prophets. This is exactly, the law and the prophets, exactly what the apostles and the ministry of that day preached from. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to tell you. That's what they preached from. For they were not yet finished writing the epistles and the gospels and the books of the New Testament which God has given unto us. Steve and I, we talked once a week or so. Last night we were talking about the veil over Moses' face, how it represents the old covenant. 1 Corinthians 3 says that we, they, they cannot see God until that veil is removed. They could not see the glory of God upon Moses' face. Moses saw more than the children of Israel. God revealed Himself unto him. And he saw more. That veil was upon his face that he did not cause the nation of Israel, the Hebrew children, to fear. The Old Testament was the law. It it concealed Christ, but revealed in what little light it had compared to the Gospel. The light of God bringing life and immortality to light. It concealed it. And 1 Corinthians 3 says that they will not believe until that veil is taken away. And I'll tell you this, that veil is taken away by God Himself in Christ through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
This is not a turn and burn. This is not leaving the Gospel. Okay? Pray for me. Let me bring this out plainly. Therefore, because of all this, I've taught you by the Spirit of God, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. We are preaching, if we preach, we are preaching the Gospel of Christ. We're not going to leave Christ and Him crucified. That is not what Paul is saying. You see, he's talking to those that are under the law or had been brought up under the law. When he's talking about leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, he's talking about let's move beyond the law of service, which pointed to Christ, which brought Him forth in types and shadows. Everything from the Ark of the Covenant to Melchizedek, Every the lamb, Abel's lamb, everything, the lamb that or goat that God killed to cover Adam and Eve when they fell in sin, all these things point to Christ. The Jews had become such by the nature of flesh, because what was preached unto them was not mixed with faith. They had corrupted the law of service, justifying themselves by the law of service. Let's leave that behind. Let's move forward. He's not saying do not preach in types and shadows. That's what they were preaching from. Leave the things you were taught in the law behind. Let us go on unto perfection. Perfection. The Gospel. Perfection. The knowledge of Christ. Now, we're not going to be perfect in this world. We're sinners as long as we live in this body. That's one reason I rejoice when someone we love that has manifested God in their life, we rejoice in the fact that God is in them. They've been a mother or a father in Israel. They've manifested God and Christ and all the things of the glory of God they've manifested in their life. And we know for a fact, we are sure that there was Christ in heaven above in immortal glory. We know that because the Bible teaches us that and the Holy Spirit assures us of that in our heart. We're not going to attain perfection here. We will there, but we will not while we live in this world because we're sinners. Let us go on unto perfection. He is talking about Preaching and teaching the doctrine of the grace of God. Not the law. The law has been fulfilled. The law is holy and just and perfect. But it's weak in the flesh because we're flesh and we're sinners. We could not stand before God. Yet Christ has brought us back to God. He's redeemed us and brought us into fellowship with the Father in heaven and the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go on unto perfection. Let us teach 
the doctrine of Christ and Him crucified. Let's teach the doctrine of the One that God spoke, the living Word of God. Let's teach of Him who created all things, Him who came down into the world, who laid the glory of the Godhead aside, who came to this world, made flesh in the body of a man to suffer and bleed and die for each one the Father gave Him. That's scary to some people, but the Bible teaches me there's no reason to fear. If you love God, He loved you first. Rejoice in that child of God. Let us go on into perfection. Leaving the law of service behind. Perfection. Preaching Christ. A perfect doctrine. A perfect doctrine. Not corrupted with the law of service. Not corrupted with the things of the world. We have a simple practice. We have a simple doctrine. We come and we assemble and we sing songs, hymns of praise from the heart, the instrument that God made to Christ above. We pray prayers to the Father in the name of the Son. Heart, heart, crying out, Abba, Father, the Spirit making intercession for us. As we have public prayer and private prayer, I sit out there like I did last week with men preaching and I pray to God in thanksgiving that He would continue to bless those men because my soul was being magnified in the Lord at what they were teaching us. Let us go on unto perfection. We have a perfect doctrine. Christ and Him crucified. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and to faith toward God. How was repentance gained under the law? There was a sacrifice made. There was a sacrifice made. Not laying again the sacrifice of those goats and those bulls and those lambs and those sheep and those turtle doves. Not laying again and preaching the Gospel. Not laying again the foundation of those, oh yes, tell me about the types and shadows and what they pointed to Christ. But that is fulfilled. And our repentance now is in Christ. He shed His blood for us. He made us holy without blame before God the Father in love. He's brought us to God. He's brought us into the presence of God. His law is written upon our heart. He works His way in us and gives us repentance by seeing Him upon the cross of Calvary and realizing that He, being perfect, died for us who were dead in trespass and sin and causing us to mourn and sorrow and godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance. It's the work of God. From dead works... Dead works. How many? Oh, that's something to stop and think about. Dead works. So many people and religious organizations trying to serve the Lord in a way of doing things that makes their heart feel good I call it a warm fuzzy. That's an old expression. Good works. This is in our articles of faith. Or those decreed and ordained by God. Those are good works. There are those that strive to do good works as the Apostle Paul was at one time. A Pharisee of Pharisees, stock of Abraham. 
as touching the law blameless. He kept the law, but at that point in time, there were dead works because he was doing it for his own glory. But when God struck him down on the way to Damascus at the revelation of Jesus Christ, he was no longer in dead works. He was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And of faith toward God. The Jews, Israel, I say Jews, I'm going to all Israel, came out with Moses. They were taught faith in God. The Bible says it was not mixed with faith. Let's look at what their faith was. First of all, with many of them, they had faith in Abraham because they were Abraham's seed. And so they justified their salvation, which they claimed to have through Abraham and not Christ. And they had faith also in Moses and justifying themselves by the law of Moses, at least the hierarchy of religion did. You've got to understand, you need to study history and see the condition that the church of God under the law was in in the days that Christ was born into the world of a virgin woman. It wasn't perfection. It was corruption. You were given instructions and you were to follow them, but they did not. They coveted money. They coveted silver. They coveted flesh. They married, divorced, remarried. They did all these things and then condemned you. That was corruption under the law. You were a sinner, but they were righteous. The fullness of the time, yeah, I'd say it was time when the Lord came into the world because He established true religion, teaching us that we are all sinners and the righteous God of heaven by His grace has saved us from our sins. Praise the Lord for that and of faith toward God. They had faith toward the Father to a degree, many of them. Moses did. Moses' face shined from being in the presence of the glory of God. You see the time when the 70 in the camp were prophesying. I believe it was Joshua who said, Moses forbid them, they're prophesying in the camp. Well, Moses told them, would to God that all God's children would prophesy. The point I'm trying to make with that is there's 70 that had faith because God touched them among the congregation and they were prophesying. And if you prophesy at all in truth, you're prophesying of Christ. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What did he preach? Christ. He may not have fully understood it, but that's what he preached not laying again the foundation the Jewish law service. He's telling his brethren, they're trying to bring you back into the law service. We don't lay that foundation again. From dead works and a faith toward God, their faith was toward God, but they rejected Christ. There's a reason 
that the Lord Jesus Christ tells them, ye believe in God, believe also in Me. And I promise you, those that He gives life believe in Him. There's something planted within them. The life of God, the light of God. They may never manifest it while they walk through this dark world. They may walk in misery like I would assume the thief on the cross did because he was reviling Christ while he hanged beside Him at a point of death and suffering greatly. And all of a sudden, Lord, remember me. Now, dead works and of faith not laying again the foundation under the Jewish law service of repentance and dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptism. Well, they didn't baptize. Yes, they did. They didn't baptize like we do. A lot of people in the world don't baptize like we do. Baptism is not sprinkling water on some child's head who's not old enough to profess faith in God. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. You must be able to profess faith. If you are able, old enough to profess faith at whatever age, then you can be baptized. That's the way that is, to show the answer of a good conscience of God who has quickened you and gave you life and revealed Himself unto you. Of the doctrine of baptisms, the Jews had very many ordinances of cleansing their body or their hands, some with blood, some with water. Paul said, let's move beyond the ordinances of cleansing yourself with water. We are sinners. That goes to the core and the marrow of the bone. It cannot be washed away with water. Baptism does not cleanse you any more than the water they would cleanse their bodies with cleanse their soul. They were still sinners. They may have been clean sinners, but they were still sinners. And of laying on of hands, this is not talking about laying on the hands of the presbytery. That is done. And that we do. That is scriptural. We find it in the New Testament. When a man is called of God, as was Aaron, to the ministry, and if he's not, he don't need to be up here. But if he's called of God into the ministry, and the church recognizes that gift. Somebody says, well, what if they don't see it? What if they don't know it? You believe me. When God gives a gift, it's going to be manifested. When God gives a purpose, it's going to be manifested. And when God calls a man to preach, He's not going to call him to preach without giving him a place to preach to God's people and feed His flock. But this is not talking about the laying on the hands of the presbytery. That's important. That's what we do. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Paul says, we're not laying again, uh, building the foundation of laying on hands. What's he talking about? Aaron would lay hands on the goat that was brought to him, and he would kill it to atone first for his sins and for the sins of the children of Israel. 
And then by the hands of a fit man who would lay both hands on the animal, the goat that was to be turned loose, that was to be sent into the land of wilderness, never to be seen again. Never to be heard from again. This did not bring life. This did not forgive sins. Don't lay that foundation again. It was a type and a shadow of the fit man, the only good man, the only perfect man. He did not have an earthly father, so he had no inherited sin. He committed no sin. He was without sin. Nailed the cross of Calvary. His body becoming sin for us. He is the fit man. By the hands of a fit man. By the hand of God. And your sins are sent away. They're not seen again. They're not remembering again. God does not See them. I remember hearing Steve Staffelson right here one day talking about if you go north and you go far enough, eventually you're going to turn and go south and come back up again. If you go east or you go west, you're never going to stop going east. And you're never going to stop going west. God said, I have separated thy sins from thee as far as the east is from the west. By the hands of a fit man, by the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Your sins, He's our propitiation. He's our mercy seat. He's covered our sins in His blood as the Lamb of God. The doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, And of the resurrection of the dead, that certainly is contained in the Old Testament. And of eternal judgment, and that certainly is contained in the Old Testament. And they are both certainly contained in the New Testament. What small amount of light we had of the judgment and the resurrection that was in the law of service, and it was a great light, but it's even more so manifest. Christ is the light of God which lights the light of every man who is a child of God. He's born of the Spirit at some point between conception and death. The Gospel of who? Jesus Christ brings life and immortality to light. We can see it. We know it's there. We hope for it. We've never seen it. But hope is the evidence of things not yet seen. We don't see it by our eyes. We see it by faith. We know our loved ones that have left this world are standing in heaven in a mortal glory. We don't have to see that to know it. We've had it preached to us by the Holy Spirit of God through men that God calls to preach the Gospel and feed the souls of His children in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Everyone the Father loved, Christ has died for. Everyone the Father gave the Son, Christ has died for. Christ has redeemed them. Christ has given them life. They shall never die. People get confused with that sometimes. Well, then why do we die? Because we're sinners. How shall we never die? Our soul will never die. It came from the breath of God and will never be dead to God again. 
Jude talks about those twice dead. They're dead in sin and dead to God. We'll never be dead in sin again. We'll never be dead to God. Christ has redeemed us. Not laying again the doctrine of baptisms, laying of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Depart from me, you cursed, and the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That scares people. It gives me assurance. Because I see God's people around me who love the Lord. They may not be in church, and that's primarily what a lot of this text is talking about, is changing the Word of God back to the law of service. They may never come in church. They may never, ever hear the Gospel. But when you can see God manifested in one's heart, by the love of God which is in Him, then He is born of God. Cut and dried. And in that knowledge we have a great, a great peace. A great rest. Come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden. Why do you labor and heavy laden? Because God has touched you. And I will give you rest unto yourselves. And this we will do, not laying again the foundation of the law. We're going to leave the law. We're going to come into grace. The law is important. We need to preach the law in types and shadows. We need to know that by the law describing to us the righteousness of God, that we're all sinners. Grace is the only answer, and that grace is in Christ. But we don't worship God by the law. We worship God by grace. It is the grace of God that leadeth thee to repentance. It is the grace of God that reveals the Son of God to you and manifests the finished work of God upon the cross at Calvary and where He sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high. It's the grace of God that teaches us of the mansions that He's built for us in glory. It's the grace of God that teaches us that we'll be in heaven in a mortal glory with every child of God, those that have gone before and those that will come over us by the grace of God will be there and it's the grace of God that reveals it to us. Let's move forward toward perfection and grace. And this will we do if God permit. Okay, now you bear with me. This is not a turn and burn statement. This is teaching us of something that we certainly needed to be warned about. He's talking to Jews because they were lured, being lured back to the law service by their brethren according to flesh. We need to be warned about apostasy. We need to be warned of the falling away. We need to be warned one thing so when these times come, we don't fear. We have faith in God. Amen. And that we keep ourselves in the grace of God. By reading and studying and praying and realizing that everything we have is in the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. People paint this picture of Christ as the weak man. Pitiful. Got to have you help. Let me tell you. He is the Creator of heaven and earth. 
He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lamb of God. He is all we have and more than we need. I don't know why God blesses me personally, but I'm so thankful. I am so very thankful because I'm not worthy of the least of His tender mercies. That was uttered at a time when Jerusalem had been conquered and was in bondage. By the grace of God through revelation, we're able to say that here today in the church being free and at liberty. And I thank God for that. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and you catch this, I've heard people try to make all these in question to be not God's people. Just like men tend to do when God flooded the earth in Genesis 6, they'll say all them people went to hell. That's not true. God had a people upon the earth. It's the Spirit. Scripture teaches us that Christ went to the spirits in prison and preached the Gospel to them. How did He do it? That's regarding to Noah's day. That's regarding to those children of God which would drown in the flood. How did Christ preach the Gospel to them the same way He did to Abraham by writing it upon their heart that they would be changed before they died in the flood. They had to be changed because just like me, they are sinners and Christ gave them life before their lives were taken in the flood and they're now standing in heaven in immortal glory. Now, realize what's being spoken of. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Christ is the light. Do you know Christ? Christ is within you. You have been enlightened. And have tasted of the heavenly gift, the grace of God, the life of God. He's written His law upon your inner parts. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. Now watch this. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Read somewhere, somebody relays this to Pharaoh because he would succumb to what the Lord told Moses to tell him, and then God would harden his heart. Let me explain that very briefly and move on if God will keep my senses. When God sent Moses and God told him to what to say and do, and Moses obeyed God, and Moses went down there, and Moses spake to Pharaoh. The presence of God was there with Moses. He had to have a veil over his face to shield the children of Israel from the glory of God. When he approached unto Pharaoh, Pharaoh was in fear because God's presence was there. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart. When he removed Moses, God went with him and God's presence was removed. Now I'm telling you that to make a point. I do not believe the Scripture teaches that Pharaoh was enlightened of Christ. He was destroyed. He stood in all His glory. God destroyed that glory. God destroyed Him. 
God destroyed His army and God freed His people. It was impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. If you've been made, there's a word for you. We were talking about words earlier. If you have been made a partaker, what does that teach us? That teaches Colossians 1.13. God has translated you into the kingdom of His dear Son. Christ was made flesh. Christ is eternal, has no beginning. But He was made flesh for the purpose of God. We're made partakers. God places His Spirit within you. I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it one more. You have absolutely no choice of being born of your mother and father. You have absolutely no choice in being born of God. You give Him the glory. And have tasted the good Word of God, the preaching of the Gospel. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. Okay? Have tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the world to come. Have you experienced a time in your life perhaps in deep despair? Perhaps at the loss of loved ones. Perhaps at some traumatic disease or something has happened in your life. Maybe, maybe even it's the Spirit of grace when you've sinned against God and God touches you. But if you have ever experienced the powers of the world to come, the land of glory, the land of grace, where we shall see the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, as He is. Have you tasted that by faith? Has God given you a glimpse of that? Have you seen Him through the lattice just briefly and your heart cried out, Abba, Father, and the Spirit of God moved within you? Then you've tasted the powers of the world to come. Now Paul gets down to verse 6. If they shall fall away, to renew them again into repentance. Seeing they crucify themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Let me clarify something very quickly. Every elect child of God will stand in heaven and immortal glory, raised up perfect in the image of Christ. And they shall see Him as He is and they shall live with Him and reign throughout all eternity. Period. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, it's all by grace. It's all of Christ. It's all in the election of grace. In the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. So when he said they shall fall away, he's not talking about falling away from glory in heaven. He's talking about the doctrine taught in the world. Paul tells the Galatians, if you justify yourself by the law, you've fallen from grace. That didn't mean they fell out of heaven. Didn't mean they fell out of the book of life. Didn't mean they fell out of God's hand. God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When we sin, sometimes He can make us feel like He has. But He's right there with you. 
whip you just like a daddy and a mama to get you straight and correct. You've been there, done that. Hope I'm old enough not to fall to that again. But I'm a sinner. If they shall fall away. This is about doctrine. He's talking to Jews who justified themselves by the law until the time that Christ gave them life and enlightened them. They were being pressured by their brethren to worship under the law. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Let me very simply state this. And by the way, we see this today. We talked about some of this as we went through Peter. We talked about this in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we certainly talked about it the year and a half we went through Revelation. Falling away. A child of God can never finally fall away. They're in the hand of God. Their name, they are, not their names, forgive me. They are graven in His hand, period. We're told throughout Scripture that Satan allures us. He lures us away. He, he tests us. He, he tries to devour us. Satan, the deceiver. Lucifer, the bright and shining one. The things of the world. The doctrines of the world. What caused Adam to fall? The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt be as gods, knowing good and evil. The desire by the deception of Satan for the creature to become as the Creator, to be as God's. If we've thought that, that is sin. It is the nature of man. It is sin. That's what Satan uses to lure us away from the plain, pure, simple doctrine and practice of the first century church. Of the church we're in today. There's a reason the book of Amos talks about David and his er, his era and worshiping with musical instruments. There's a reason in Isaiah it says, Woe unto them that chant the sound of the vial. God desires you worship in spirit and truth. To worship Him in spirit and truth, you must be born to the Spirit of God and to worship in truth according to the way commanded by God. That's what these brethren were facing. That's what we're facing in the world today. It has caused an apostasy. So many of God's children carried away into other false teachings and practices. God wants to hear the Spirit cry, Abba, Father. God causes the Spirit to cry, Abba, Father. That's the songs we sing and praise. If Satan desires to lure us aside to the things of the world, when we 
Turn away. Y'all seen this happen much as I have. I've been in this state myself. I remember the day I came crawling back down here on my hands and knees seeking mercy. Hadn't been to church in four years or so. God is a just God and God is a merciful God to His people. Thank You, Lord, for bringing me down to the level that I sought You above all things. If they shall fall away, they crucify it to, to themselves, Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame. Let me very simply say this. It makes light of the fact that Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. Steve and I were talking last night of the seriousness of worship. You know, the ark was captured by the Philistines as being brought back to Milkine. The ark slipped. There was a man that reached up to steady it and he died instantly. It was not given for him to touch the ark. That was given for the priesthood only. The ministry is a serious place. In the house of God, we all have gifts. Mothers, fathers, deacons, children, singers, prayers, every gift. The pillars in the church that have stood here since I was a child, the hands, the justice, the hearts filled, Brother Smith, all of them were a gift in the church. This is serious business. And when the child of God and God is breast and God has enlightened turns away, been there, done that, we crucify the Son of God afresh. We make light of it. It's, it's, it's disrespect, I guess would be one modern word to use. As if it didn't even matter when it's the greatest thing that's ever happened, nor ever will. Talk about getting in glory. Why will we get there? Because the very Son of God died for us while we were at enmity with God. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and He's given us an example, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. Garden season, Daddy brought me a bunch of tomatoes. Steve's brought us stuff, corns, bean, that stuff, the things we plant, the things that grow, the waterfalls, the water waters the ground, the water tables water the fruit, and it grows. It brings forth fruit to God. It receives a blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected. Now you listen to me, this is not talking about people going to hell because a child of God was lured away from the church or fell or whatsoever reason. There's been more people turned out of the church by hardness of heart. God help us to have the mercy of Christ when we can with each other. That which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, speaking of the things 
I finally sprayed behind the church. Every time I come down here and cut the grass, I'm wearing shorts because I'm hot natured. I get poison oak every time I come. Thorns and briars, point I'm trying to make. You walk back there, you get stuck. They're rejected. And nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That's not an eternal burning for a child of God. That's speaking the word we use today. Somebody crashes and burns. We fall to our own desires. God keep me from mine. And we suffer. We suffer. God does not leave us. God does not forsake us. But God will whip us. God will chasten us. Been there, done that before. Not just once or twice. And I thank God that He loves me like my daddy loves me, but even greater. Because when He whips us, it's in love. And it's all for our benefit. Okay? But Paul is talking about true doctrine. Paul is talking about the benefit of the church prospering in godliness. Holding to the doctrine of Christ and Him crucified. Not the preacher, not the choir, not the church. Christ and Him crucified. Our God is a jealous God. I will not give my glory to another. We are here to glorify God. And when we do, we profit greatly in peace and the knowledge of God. How do we stand in this world seeing what's around us and still smile and have Have joy in your heart in Christ. We know we don't belong here. We are passing through. One day Christ is going to appear and we're all going to leave. That knowledge is given to us. That knowledge that we teach. That knowledge that we preach by the grace of God. That's what Paul is is telling them to maintain, to strive for. God told them one time, stand in the ways and see. See, ask for the old paths. What they say? We will not. Don't you thank God for the Scripture says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of Thy power, for God makes you willing. You gather the thorns and burn them. Now there's coming a day that God's going to separate the chaff from the wheat and God's going to burn the chaff. That's not what this is talking about. Take Scripture in context. This is talking about people an apostasy, leaving the doctrine, in false doctrine, or else completely gone and losing the joy of their salvation. Losing what they had once tasted and loved. And then I'll close with this because he is going to explain in a term of gentleness that I'm not talking about y'all. Because you're in the church. You love the Gospel. You love the Lord. You love each other. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward His name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now I'm going to close with that. 
But I want you to understand Paul is saying, I'm giving y'all a warning. I'm telling y'all what happens. I'm telling you what Satan does in the world. I'm admonishing you to maintain the doctrine, to maintain everything that Christ has ordained in the church. And then he, then he mentions the love of saints that comes from God and flows from breast to breast. And that is a gift from God. And I'm thankful we have it. May God bless you.